You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dome Podcast. 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 All Star Break. All the, the boys are in Mexico with their Barbie doll wives. They all look the exact same. Have you noticed? What lab are they? Where is this lab this is, that they're all made in? They should legit. One of the fan um, entertainment games we should do is put them all in a lineup <laughs> and try and guess who's who. Because they're all at the same. Eh? It's like that <laughs> Seinfeld where they put Kramer. Kramer gets a lineup <laughs> duty. He's looking all posh. Me? So, um, I don't know, the boys look like they're enjoying themselves, eh? I mean, who wouldn't no. be? <laughs> you sent me that one picture of Dubé, you're like... <laughs> oh, jeez, dude, what the... I guess it was a bad angle, because there was another picture he looked more fit. But he, he looks like fucking the Big Lebowski, man. <laughs> He's it's the like, fittest fit flame, apparently. <laughs> apparently, you're the fittest flame. No wonder we stink. So, I was just curious because if you if you're not on instagram and you're a normal person you don't follow like lindholm's girlfriend who's been posting all this stuff they're staying at like the four seasons in some resort or whatever and i was like i'm planning some vacations i'm like oh, i'll check out maybe, maybe i'll splurge i'll go stay it's like ten thousand us dollars a night so i guess that's off the table next life i'm coming back as uh a wife it? or a player? Probably the a wife. Swag? Is it, is it the swag? Someone's got an account. Is it the swag? Flames wag. Wag. Wives and girlfriends. Wives and girlfriends. I'm coming back as a wag, folks. So then you don't have to be an elite level athlete and you can still live the life of a like that comes with that. Right? Like how I don't really know firsthand, but I'm sitting here like, how easy is this life? It seems it seems pretty nice. You all you have to do is watch your husband play hockey. Check. I do that anyways. Have everything paid for you. Check. Don't have that. I would like that. Go on elaborate trips and where you where the cost <laughs> is a ten thousand dollars a night. That's like just like did Lindholm and the boys are just dropping like what a hundred K for this little vacation just for the accommodations. Let's hope it pays off. They did play some up and down hockey coming into the break. We're gonna be breaking it down. Meanwhile, Daryl is like, have you heard what Daryl's doing? He travels yeah, he's, with he's the scouting. farm team. He hates uh, the young guys so much he goes to watch him on his fucking break. He hates the farm team. So I've never really heard of this. Like, he's doing a lot of the things that you'd think a GM would do. <laughs> a head coach going with the farm team. I get his son plays for him. But it's just funny, right? Everybody thinks he's such a, oh, he hates the farm team. It's like, there's nobody who watches the farm team more than Daryl Sutter. <laughs> Brad even watches the firm team. Yeah, I don't know where. Why isn't Brad going? With and the if he does, team? you know he's stuffing his face in some box with Boston pizza, fucking wings and pizza. Where did Brad? Where did Brad go for his vacation? Is my question. 
If, if Brad, Hubert, if Brad Hubert, and his Hubert family were... <laughs> it's like, Brad, we already signed Huberto. You don't have to keep following him around. You don't take him to dinner again, Brad. Enough with the candlelight dinners. Unless Huberto's you think just in the Bahamas, just like unless at the bar. Unless he's going to improve his game. Who? Huberto? Yeah. Huberto, so, he's like, where's the farthest place from this reality ever? You're doing research, and it sounds like... I mean, you might as well break it. Okay, so... Yeah, I know it's it's like depressing hour. Every stat you want to look up with with Huberto is just like, man, oh man. So as far as I can tell, and this is just me doing a quick Google search and not wanting to spend 50 hours either figuring this out or finding somebody with computer knowledge to write a program to find this for me. But it's like, if you look at the biggest point drop-offs in NHL history. From one season to the next. From one season to the next, Jonathan Huberto is on pace for the biggest point drop-off in NHL history from 115 points, even if you prorate it. So if you prorate him at 82 games on pace for 57 points over 82 games, 115 to 57 points would be the biggest drop-off in NHL history. So from what I can find, the biggest drop-off from players who like played a full season the next year is uh, 1976, 1977. Bill Barber went from 112 to 58. Was he on the same team? Um, he's on the same team. He's on the Flyers. Okay. Who I wonder who he was playing with. And then so um that's kind of a pretty nasty record to be in the in the um dude. That's fucking like, god awful. That's just really depressing. Well, Markstrom, didn't he have the NHL record from one playoff series to the next playoff series? The biggest drop off in save yeah, percentage. Yeah, the, the biggest drop off. I think it was just in was it save percentage or goals saved above expected or something insane. I think it was save percentage, but fantastic. Yeah. Great categories for uh your apparently, you know, two of your top five players to be in. Love it. So the only kind of like one that I found that was like, okay, well, remember Sergey Fedorov? He he won a Selkie trophy. So 96 to 97, Fedorov dropped off from 107 points to 63 points, 44 point drop off. So, and I think Mike Medano had a big drop off from 2003 to 2004 or something. So there are some cases where like, guys. I'm, okay, well, I'm curious. Did you go a step further and see what the next season looked like after the big drop off? No. Did they plateau? It's too much work. Did they bounce back? Because you got to think, like, the guy is a top. In the past five years, he has more points than Johnny Gaudreau. Like, he can't just fall off the face of the earth like this, can he? I'm going to Google it right now. Hockey DB, Sergey Fedorov. Let's look at Sergey Fedorov to 96, 97, 98. How good was that Red Red Wings team? No, they were the best teams of all time. Epic. Although Bo- although Boston's gonna break the record this year, apparently. Oh, this is not good. So yeah, yeah this is not good. Yeah, 107 seven points followed by 63. Looks like he was injured the next season. He had 17 points in 21 games. I guess that's on pace for maybe a rebound that's season. Point per game almost. Then he had 63 points in 77 games. So a bit of a resurgence. He found his game again, but not quite back to the same numbers. Maybe that's the same thing for Hubido. I don't think Hubido's going to get 150 Hubido, points. Hubido, as Greg Millen calls him. Hubido. Well, I guess I guess that is how you pronounce it. But Hubido. Potato. Potato. Hubido. But so, Jack uh, Han, who we had on the show in the summer, 
who kind of like was a buzzkill. <laughs> yeah, everybody's call. fucking stoked. Oh, we were too. We were yeah, like, Johnny bro, Gaudreau. tell us how good Huberto is. He's like, dude, he's Johnny he Gaudreau, but bigger. He's like, he's terrible five on five. <laughs> we're like, he's, what? Ama- he's amazing three on three. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I think he's I don't worse. know about that part. I think he's worse three on. The only thing he was wrong about is him, is him being good three on three. <laughs> but he put out an article yesterday because um, a lot of the analytics guys have kind of just like updated their models mid season and shown like how drastically Huberto's game has completely fallen off a cliff offensively. Um, so he just put an article biggest disappointment. Yesterday. He's the biggest disappointment player wise in the league. Oh yeah, it's not this even season. close. Great, love, close, it. love it, love it. It's on our team. Um, love to hear it. But yeah, it's it's a mystery because I we're both sitting here just being like, hey, it's got to turn around at some point, right? I still think he's going to go off. Maybe not at a 115 point clip, but I. How does he not get back to a point per game? I mean, he's been at a point per game for what the last 30 games, hasn't he? Yeah, it's kind of been a bit up and down. I think he's had a few games. Like the thing that's maybe a bit troublesome if you look at his splits, it's kind of like a lot of his points are coming in bunches against teams that aren't in the playoffs. Like that was kind of the thing. Like remember in games that we lose. Yeah. Or like remember those San Jose games? Like I think he's had a few points in there. So it's kind of like, oh, I guess he's averaging point per game, but he's still having those games where it's like three, four games in a row against good teams. Like he's not putting up any points at all. Yeah, and the biggest thing is, like, you're playing the upper echelon teams and you need a goal so bad. The other team's top performers are chipping in, they're scoring, and you're sitting there being like, where the fuck's Huberto? Yeah. I mean, he scored an absolute highlight real goal against Chicago, though, didn't he? That was one of the nicest goals. Now, that will be probably top in the top 10 goals of the season. But again, microcosm of the sweet goal and then the fucking dip for the rest of the game. Yeah, you, thanks for scoring the nicest goal we've seen in a long ass time, in a five-one loss to the worst team the worst in the league. Team in the in the entire league. That about sums up Heroes. That about sums up the season for the Flames, to be honest. Pretty much. You have Chicago and Columbus, dead last, tied for dead last in the league. These guys have thirty-four points each on the season. Four of those points for Chicago. Came from the Flames. The Flames is the only team to lose to Chicago twice this year, by the way. Probably will be the only team. I'm sure. Thank God. Do we play them again? Um, I always hopefully, think they're not, eh? I think we play them one more. We must play them once more. Yeah, we play them one more time in April. Columbus, three of their 34 points comes from the Flames. <laughs> What were your thoughts on the on the uh, Columbus Columbus game, the return of Johnny Gaudreau? I feel like that game is a bit skewed because yeah. that they the Jackets actually played a pretty good game. Yeah, they played well, and you know that they were playing for Johnny, right? Like they because I watched them; they played pretty decent against Edmonton. Um, hey, they beat they, Edmonton, but then they just fucking stunk the next couple games. Like, yeah, Seattle and was it Vancouver? Like. They were back to just stinking. But when they, you know, they brought their best game for Calgary, obviously, because because the whole Johnny Gaudreau situation. You did not make it to the game. Um, thoughts on the whole the whole thing. 
the fans booing. Obviously, he got his ovation. And then right back to the booing, seeing Johnny afterwards, talking about it, getting emotional. Almost ready to cry. What, uh, tell me how you took in all that. Well, you know, like, obviously, I all game I was watching, the, the number one thing I took away was like, holy shit, do we miss Johnny Goodrow? Fuck. I know. <laughs> You're like, that was the biggest thing was like, wow, the contrast in playmaking ability between Johnny Goodrow and Jonathan Hero is like fucking Brett Ritchie. Night and day. And fucking, yeah. whoever the fuck. This was like I he was making passes and plays that we've seen for seven seasons that we have not seen all year from Jonathan Hero. Jonathan Hero has made, I don't know, five nice setup plays for goals this season. Johnny Gaudreau made fucking five night and one shift. One shift, man. Like, like I think sing, single-handedly, he got them back in the game with the two power play setups. Like those dishes, those are cross-ice dishes, feathered sauce passes right on the tape. To both players, I have not seen Hero do, do that once on the power play. Like, anyway. say if you don't like Johnny Drill, whatever, but like you can't deny the guy absolutely makes shit happen in the game. Like he was the best player on the ice that game by a pretty wide margin. Like he was awesome. I he misses the he misses the penalty shot. Um, gets and I guess late, gets the chip late in the game on the on the off the post. Yeah, oh, man. And like seriously, like. At this point, still, I'm so much of a Johnny Gaudreau fan that I was like, I was like, score! I was, I wanted him to score on the penalty shot. I wanted him to score that that game winner that he hit off the post. I realized at that moment, like at this point, I'm probably still more of a Johnny Gaudreau fan than I am a Flames fan, which is uh, probably not the case for a lot of people. But like, dude, by the end of the game, he had nine scoring chances, eleven shot attempts, five shots, two primary assists, three high danger scoring chances. He's the best player on the ice. Well, by, dude, and the thing is, is like. The thing is, like, in a Flames uniform, that's him on a nightly basis. Exactly. And what was just highlighted was, like, how much the Flames miss that, that ability of one guy to create offense. How much they miss that so bad. Like, because that's mean, all they really need. on every, Like, on all these games they're losing, it's like they're playing, like, we've been talking about this all season, they're playing well. They just need somebody to step up and make some plays. And then on the flip side, it's just like, Johnny, what are you doing? Like, it's just, it will never be the stupidest thing to me that the Flames needed him and he should have stayed. And it's just ridiculous that the whole situation. Dude, Johnny Gaudreau goes from being the the playoff hero to get your team past the first round, God knows how long, to going to the last, to picking. Like an idiot. To go to the last place team in the league. The fuck? So all I could think watching that game is just like, why did everyone involved in this situation fuck this up? <laughs> Dude, some guy had the poster of the fucking decade. You see that one? Yeah, well, Francis, like Francis like, freaking retweeted it. Like, if, I don't know how he doesn't get in trouble for that. It's like, Johnny Meredith wants you home by 10 p.m. That sums up the entire the entire thing for me. Anyways, I was, you could tell, like, dude... I don't think I'm reading too much in this Johnny in his interviews and just like, he didn't look up during the tribute. Like he wants to come back to Calgary so bad. What is he doing? Dude? It was unreal. What is yeah. he doing? It's a fucking, he's an idiot. What are you doing, man? What? 
are you doing? You and Brad pretty much just made the two. You both are just complicit in the stupidest decision. You said this is like, is there a stupider decision in sports that's like happened in recent memory? Definitely so. not. There isn't. No. Yeah, I'm going to go to Columbus. Good job, idiot. Dead last. I mean, it's good. it'll it'll be different. It'll be different if Columbus ends up getting Bedard and he's playing with Bedard next. Oh season. yeah, for sure. That'll be that's way different. Yeah. Then they're probably gonna make the fucking playoffs. But they gotta. I don't know. It's gonna be tight between Chicago and Columbus, dude. I would love. I think it would be sweet if Bedard ends up in Chicago, and Chicago does a rebuild around Bedard, and then they become a lead again in you know four seasons or whatever it's going to take it'd be kind of cool if they kept like i know they're probably going to trade kane and taves but if they kept those guys around and were able to rebuild and become competitive again before they retired and they were just like they're played together on the third line and just yeah like that'd be kane ran the power play yeah like that'd be sweet that's something we haven't really seen in the nhl right where these dynasties a dynasty re-emerges either that's how you know you're a generational player yeah you win a cup and then you win again after you rebuild on the same team. Like, that would be sweet. I would love to see him go to Chicago. But I'd rather see him go to Columbus play with Johnny Gaudreau because I still have – oh, my God, dude. I still – apparently, I still have – I still want Johnny Gaudreau to, like, pr- prove himself to all these fuckers who think he's no good. So, don't, in my – in the dark uh... part of my heart, in, in, the, in the part of my heart that's, like – um dark and wants to prove people wrong and shut people up i want Badar to go there and him and johnny to be freaking awesome for 10 years yeah i could see that so with liney what's what's your thoughts on liney this guy's so weird eh yeah he's weird like i i can start to see now the issue that winnipeg jets fans had because they um there's flashes of just like brilliance I yeah i don't know who you know, in, in NHL history, he would compare to Timo Solani. There's flashes of that. And then there's flashes of fucking just dog shit. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if it's a coaching thing at the end of the day. Well, I don't think they have a great coach, which doesn't help. No, we don't have great much of anything going on over there. But with the guy, you, you would think that maybe under the right coach, fucking... Maybe we should get Line A. Line A would, yeah. See what uh, see what Daryl can do with a guy like that. I mean, how many goals has he scored in his career on pretty terrible teams? He scored, he hasn't scored fifty yet, which is kind of surprising. Like if you look at his numbers, it's actually kind of surprising. Like his career high in points is seventy and forty four goals. Well, he's just a purebred sniper. He's not yeah. a big point producer. No. But what's his career high in goals? Forty four in 2017, 2018. So that's a while ago. It's a lot of scoring. So not that I'm saying he's available, but you could maybe pry a guy like that out of there. But I guess they're 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 trying to keep him around for whatever. They're trying to go for Bernard. Anyways, it was pretty yeah. yeah, the the whole night was crazy. The fact Johnny gets a freaking penalty shot. I like how he just picked apart the defense the whole night, too. That was crazy. Like Weger and Tanev are out there, and he just like, yeah, I'm going to steal it from you and split the defense and make you take a penalty shot. Like, who does that to Weger and Tanev? Oh, shit. Ooh. Tanev. Yeah, shit. Hey, we won a game without him. It's two now. 
What is the stat? We played without Tanner for nine games, and now mm-hmm. we have two wins. Yeah, but prior to the Seattle win, it was like they'd only won once. I mean, good timing. You got a nine day. You got yeah. nine days off just as he goes down. Hopefully, it's he's day to day or week to week. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I've heard that it's could be bad. Like that. It's sit like it's the flare up of the shoulder. Yeah, it looked like it was it was shoulder. So, but he's a guy. He's like nuts, Tanev, though, right? Yeah, guys like Tan of the separated shoulders. They'll come back. He won't. He won't be out that long. I don't think. Yeah. I, well, shit, dude. The team needs him. I. I hope they. I would prefer they let him, like, heal up over rushing him back. But who plays is... harder, Trish Tanev or or Mark Giordano? I mean, they're different. It seems like I think Geo plays harder. Tanev yeah. probably plays smarter. Geo will go for it all. He's a hundred percent full blast all the time. Yeah, I think Geo works harder, but Tanov will sacrifice his face quicker. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Can you believe we had Geo? Man, I wish we would have signed Geo this offseason. He would have been, he's exactly what, oh man. Fuck. So the whole Johnny lead up, and it was, there's a big lead up. I thought the broadcast, and networks did a great job of, of making a big story of it because you had coverage before, you had interviews with him before. Uh, you got a lot of insight into into Johnny. His his family was back active, engaging with Flames fans like days leading up to the game. Um, so it was a big return. I, what is this the biggest return since Aguila? Yeah, totally. Like I mean, Geo's was kind of. Geo's was weird. Wasn't it during the when you could nobody could really be in the rink too when Geo came back? I think so. So it was kind of weird. And then they did another one the next season, I think. For yeah, that's right. So it was kind of like neutered. Like, hey, you're back again. Yeah, Yeah. so yeah, we've already seen you back, Mark. Yeah. But, um, dude, uh, obviously it's different. Because no one was booing Geo and again, like, because they didn't choose to leave. But I don't know. Like, I still don't think I could have booed him. Booed him. Just no the amount, what what he gave to this this franchise and this organization as us fans was a gift. Every fucking night he stepped on the ice. Well, and you're seeing that now, right? How much you miss him. Yeah, and like you said, man, playing in Columbus is punishment enough. <laughs> But I totally get where, where fans are coming from. And I, I I think everybody has the right to boo their fucking asses off if they like. Um, obviously, there was cheering through the boos Johnny said he heard. And there was boos through the cheering Johnny said he heard. So, I don't know. He looked like after post-game, he was shaken up. Obviously, it's very emotional just to come back as a whole itself, minus the whole fan reaction. Then you factor in the fan reaction. I think he knew it was coming. It was funny. Eh? The the jackets in their pregame skate were booing, booing him. That was classic. That was awesome. How do you not how do you not kind of have a soft spot for for that young team now after you know them coming through town and and seeing Johnny on there? But yeah, I guess he gets his good his tribute. And then the fans go right back to booing which we saw with, with Kachuk, so we kind of knew it was coming. 
but um, I don't know. You weren't there. You were there for the Chucky, for the Chucky comeback. Um, but in 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 terms of the whole booing and cheering thing, where do you sit with it? I know you're on one side of the fence, but do you care? Well, like else is booing? I, I, in truth, I care. Like I'm too freaking sensitive about it. Like that's part of the reason I couldn't go. Like I was talking to, <laughs> um my mom's a teacher and one of her students big flames fan in like elementary school and she wanted to go to the game but she's a huge johnny fan and her mom wouldn't let her go to the game because she was like okay they're gonna be booing her and you're probably gonna cry and it's like that's kind of how i felt too (laughs) it's like i can't handle the booing um so it's part of the reason i didn't go I mean, people can do whatever they want. It's kind of become like a spectacle thing more than anything. Then I think that's that's how people really feel. Like ever since the Tavares thing and like shit goes viral on the internet, it's kind of become like, okay, this is a fun thing to do. So, dude, I the don't, Tavares thing was nuts. Yeah, like it was. What was it? What was the pajama thing they were saying? <laughs> dude, like they cut deep with him. Yeah, they went hard. Yeah, like I don't and. You got to think, man, like these guys are human beings. Oh, yeah. And you could tell Johnny was. And again, I don't think the Flames fans was like as mean, like deeply mean spirited as the Ferris. It was more like this is going to be a fun spectacle and a good atmosphere type thing. Right. And let's join which it in, was. And, which it was. It was awesome. The so, game was great. It was a great game overall. Dude, it was the most entertaining game I've seen since Matthew Kachuk played for this team. Um, and the Flames were involved and, you know, making won the game. Over yeah, won the game, which is nice. Yeah. Um. But you could tell Johnny was shaken, dude. Like in that yeah. penalty shot, he was like, he was f- like, yeah, <laughs> he was nervous as shit. Yeah, yeah. I think afterwards he said he had some nerves, and then by the second period, it was kind of. But he couldn't look up at the jumbotron for no. the for the tribute because he was probably gonna start bawling his eyes out. <laughs> and I mean, to me, that's why that's why I couldn't boo him. Like. The way I look at this is he made a fucking monumental mistake. And he knows it. And now he knows it. He got caught up in the hype. He got caught up in the moment. He thought the grass would be greener. He wanted a fresh start. He thought he was looking out for his family. He thought listening to Meredith was going to be a good idea. (laughs) This, this, and this. And then now it's just like, you know, that I, I love that viral fuck around find out video yeah that's right that's exactly what's happened to johnny gaudreau and like you said like the punishment is enough punishment fits the crime johnny gaudreau went from playing um in the final eight was it final eight second round Mm -hmm. yeah to dead last dead fucking last johnny gaudreau playing on a dead last team but yeah I wish they would. Did they show the tribute on the broadcast? They don't do that, do they? They showed it after. They didn't show it yeah, live because they're during busy. They're busy doing the commercial break. But, dude, the moments, the memories, the the amount of enjoyment that this one individual brought to myself as a fan of this team, dude. Every single fucking night, yeah. he made something out of nothing and he was a pleasure to watch he's a fucking wizard and you know that 99% of the time it doesn't matter what game you go to if Johnny Gaudreau is on the team something magical can happen and usually does whether the team wins or not 
but there's there's some form of entertainment you're going to get just by watching this one individual play. And we got we got eight seasons of that. Mm-hmm. That's why, if I was there, I wouldn't have booed. And I totally understand the people that that are and 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 did because on the other side of the spectrum, this is sports, professional sports. You left. Fuck you. Fuck you, Johnny. But if I take a step back and it's just like, dude, I have too much respect. I have way too much respect for the value he brought me as an individual. Because, dude, those lean years? Yeah. You want to fucking poke your your brains out. Goddamn eyeballs out with pins, man. Like, Like, so painful. What do you think? We think it's pain now. You if you weren't around like the what 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. Fucking Valerie Burry was your fucking best player for five yeah, seasons. You, <laughs> right? Like, and that's kind of been my with people who are like hate Johnny Gaudreau, whatever. It's just like, do you understand what we've been through as a fan base? It's like, sure, we had Iggy in his prime, but it's like before that and after that was an absolute fucking disaster nightmare horrible awful terrible experience like and we're kind of experiencing it now right like how boring is it to watch the flames games pretty boring not much happening every night okay now imagine that in 2010 2011 2012 2013 it was just like watching paint dry every single night for an entire season every year and then you get one of the most exciting players Who's ever played in, in a Flames jersey? Probably the the most electrifying player to play as a Flame all time. I don't even think that's a discussion, probably. Yeah, definitely. So I can't boo the guy because even watching him play in Columbus, watching him play, that game was the most exciting game of the year, probably in part because the guy on the other team, on the Blue Jacks, Johnny Drew, was making so many great plays. Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about this before with when Ward was the head coach. And we had this, we brought up this point where, like, the players know. Johnny Gaudreau knows the value he brought eight seasons to this fucking, revitalized the franchise single-handedly. I mean, without Johnny Gaudreau, you don't have, there's no fucking Sean Monaghan elite goal scoring that we saw for, for six seasons. Like, it's all Johnny Gaudreau. The, the immense amount of thanks we owe this guy. It completely overweighs his fucking re- ridiculously <laughs> stupid decision to leave Calgary. Honestly, I, I think at the end of the day, he just wanted to leave Canada. Yeah, Personally. Probably. With the amount of bullshit that's, that's happened in the last two years of this COVID and all this stuff, lockdowns. I, I mean, I bet you... 80% of his decision weighed into going back to the United States, being closer to family. But like there's there's way too much that he gave than what he take than what he took away, I think. So what's done is done. His decision's made, it's his bed. Now he's got to lay in it. And I as much as I like to see Bedard in Chicago, because I I like that franchise. Original six team, I, I love that. I know there's a lot of, you know, negativity around the ownership and what happened, um, which is unfortunate. But 
I'm kind of actually agreeing with you too. Like if, if Bedard goes to, to Columbus, I could kind of get behind that too. <laughs> well, and you kind of think about Columbus, like I know everybody in the flames, we've been like Pouty McPowdersons because our two best players left. Like look at how many players have left Columbus. Like they had Panarin and he was like, no, thanks. They had Bobrovsky. Well, maybe a blessing in disguise, but like they've, that's, it's been a shitty go for that franchise. They've what won one playoff series ever. Um, I mean, it was pretty awesome. They swept the Tampa Bay Lightning, but they've had a rough go of like players not wanting to play there and not wanting to be there. So I don't know. It'd be, be kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So Although it, seems- it is, it is Ohio. So like, wouldn't be that cool. What are you talking about, man? Remember that uh, Johnny found some, Googled some video in Ohio and was sold. Well, I've done man. a lot of research, you guys. Ohio. Dude, I don't even know the capital of again? Ohio. Is it Cleveland? I don't know. Dude, how did LeBron last in, in fucking I guess Ohio he's before? from Ohio, so that helps, right? Columbus yeah. is the capital of Ohio. Wow. I had no idea. That would have been my guess. Where is Ohio? It's right below. It's more east than it is west than you think. It's kind of over by Wisconsin, isn't it? I was going to say, isn't it below kind of right between the great Hudson Bay, I guess? Or like it's, between. It neighbors Indiana. It's southwest of. And Pennsylvania. Of Toronto, right? Yeah. Southeast of Toronto. No, southwest. Southeast. Southwest yeah. of Toronto. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's kind of closer to the mid. Midwest than it is. The- I guess when you do look at it, how close it is to like Pennsylvania and Jersey, it is a lot closer to Johnny's home than you might think. Oh yeah, it's super close. And he was even saying like he comes home and Gee Gee's at his house all the time now, so I'm sure he's enjoying that aspect of it. Well, that's fucking great for him. And like it's been, f- I know Ohio isn't the best place for weather, but and January's been nice, but the last two weeks here have been absolutely horrific and why part of the reason people don't want to live here it's been so cold and gross out there's a big blizzard we're in that season where you're driving and you're pretty much risking your life to get anywhere so it's also that factor too i'm sure he's not missing waking up to blizzards every morning so great family decision terrible hockey decision yes but that's that's what you decided. It's just so, I think that's why we keep talking about it. Last word is like it will never make sense to me that the flames didn't make it, that Brad didn't make it work, and Johnny didn't make it work because to part ways was a huge mistake for both sides. Well, and let's not forget, because Brad gets away with this too often. This does come back to Brad Tree Living. Sure, Johnny left when he had the choice to. But he himself said he was ready to sign a contract the summer before. And I think the Flames ended up offering him more than they did the summer before because of the season that he had. But he was ready to sign to resign. And if he resigns in the season, Kachuk says Johnny Gaudreau didn't factor in. It factored in. Yeah, it totally did. Break. Get out of here. Like, no way. Fuck out of here. Yeah. If Gaudreau resigns, Kachuk probably resigns after the team is fucking. On the up and up. And even if Kachuk doesn't re-sign long-term, he would probably sign a, a short-term deal. So, so on, onwards of- and upwards with our new $10.5 million player who's on pace for the biggest drop-off in NHL history. Who apparently was not really a good five-on-five player to begin with. <laughs> 
Thanks. See, for that's doing... the other thing is like I and you know what? Credit to Rhett Warner because he's been saying this. Like, and I don't want to say it is because I don't want to turn this into the shit on Huberto show. But Warner's always been like, hey, signing Huberto to that deal was an overcorrection slash reaction on Brad's part, and it's kind of funny, right? That he was so hesitant the year before to lock Johnny Gaudreau up to a huge mega deal coming off a rough season. And it's like, okay, and then he locks up the guy who he's never seen play a game in the organization to the biggest deal in franchise history. It's, it's yeah, kind of funny. Well, but that's a hindsight, right? Because, like, you're sitting there, and we were saying it. This is not a win unless you resign these guys. Because if you end up, these guys walk – yeah. The following season, you just lost Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk for nothing. So he was forced. He had to resign them. He didn't really have a choice. Hey, folks, quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. So NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action into the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks and win $200 in free bets instantly. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. Another reason not to live in Ohio. See the show notes for details. Hey, if you want to get 20 bucks off tickets to an NHL game or whatever you need tickets for, you can use our promo code in the dome pod over at SeatGeek. It has to be your first time purchase and it has to be over 50 bucks. But if you need a deal on take, if you're getting some tickets and you want to save 20 bucks, set up a new account, use the code in the dome pod and you will save 20 bucks. Now, could he have re-signed them after this season? Would he have? Would you re-sign Huberto after this season? <laughs> Hey, we'd probably get him at a discount. Or does he walk because he had a shit season and yeah. probably wants a fresh start again. So I get that that sentiment, but at the same time, it's just like, dude, that's way too much of a hindsight right now anyways. Yeah, especially, how the, yeah. How the fuck would you predict the biggest drop-off in history? <laughs> don't tell me Rat's predicted. Yeah, I don't think Rat predicted that. But... It does come back to the GM. Should. It should come back to the GM. And too often in, in this in this fan base, it doesn't. That's that's part of the problem. But let's get to the Columbus game. Because there's some storylines in here on the flame side of things, not Johnny Gujo related, that were good. Walker Dewar scores an absolute fucking beauty. Both his goals now are like, did that go in? Snipe is, show. Is this shit? Dude, I haven't seen this for a long time. The shot, the puck disappears. Dude, I saw that go in. Rick Ball saw it go in. I totally saw it. You could see it behind the goalpost in the middle in the mesh. Yeah, Rick Ball called it. Rick Ball, said, oh, wait, no, we're, they're saying no goal. But no one can find the puck because it's stuck in the back of the net. Beautiful goal. Beautiful goal. I mean, Dewar's kind of tapered off a bit since then, but I'm still liking Dewar in the lineup. He provides so much more than Brad Ritchie. I mean, and and lately, Rizichka as well, even though Rizichka has shown... Rizichka is very up and down and needs seems to need like a cattle prod in his ass to get going a lot of the time, which has kind of been the knock on him his entire professional career. Like, he's got all the tools, but he just like... <laughs> 
he dips a lot of the time. And I, yeah, we've seen that this year. He was awesome. Remember like a couple months ago when he was playing with Lindholm and was he playing with Lindholm and Huberto or Lindholm and Foley? And he was really good. And he was point per game. Probably didn't deserve to be demoted as quickly as he did. But as soon as he was like demoted, like he was, he tailed off hard. Yeah. Well, he stayed in the lineup for a while. Right. Yeah. So I, when, when he, when uh, Sutter took him out of the lineup, it was, I was like, thank God, like, let's get some new Fresh looks blood. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kadri and Mangiapani score carbon copy goals, spin around in front, bury it, taking advantage of that weak defense, finally. Because we didn't see it in Columbus. Yes. <laughs> and we were that we were freaking out about that. Worst defense in the league, mustered one scoring opportunity when we were in Columbus. Dude, I really hope Daryl's getting some residuals off of Eric and Branson's contract. Cause like holy shit. Oh, After that one first period, period holy shit. I don't know. I don't remember what the exact number was, but the Flames had like 10 scoring chances and Branson was on the ice for all of them or something insane. Man, he's bad. Holy smokes. Yeah, under a different system. It's crazy. Eh? So Flames have a 2 nothing lead. It's evaporates due to Johnny Gaudreau's slick passing. Um, <sighs> Sutter starts Vladar. He probably should have had the line cross ice one time. But again, it's line eight. It's kind of like it's Ovechkin. Anytime they score, you can't really ever blame the goalie. You probably, if, if, it, if Markstrom was a net, people would have been upset about it, though. Obviously well, and, and kind of But for good so. reason, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Markstrom loses games. Currently, Markstrom loses games. Currently, Vladar wins games, even though they're, to give you the same amount of, statistically, they're the same, pretty much. W's. Right? That's when you're impressed. That's when you're impressed. I'll take the W's. Yeah. Um, Pani puts you up. Jenner ties it late. And then, fuck, was that an entertaining overtime, eh? Uh, we finally win one. Hey, Huberto didn't have a shift in overtime, and we won. Yes. What was it? That was the fifth shift out? I think that was Dubé's first shift, wasn't it? Well, a smart move by Daryl, because he put um, Backlin, Lindholm, and Anderson out against Johnny and Line to start. And the Johnny and Line did not touch the puck. I, I don't think that Columbus touched the puck until that. No. We score, right? So that was smart to keep those guys on the ice. But Line not almost, have a guy who's going to give the puck away. Line A almost came down and, and ended it. There's probably some not great calls in that overtime too. Well, or in, in the know, game, man. in the game I mean, as a whole, it was kind of a weirdly officiated game. I know Johnny was complaining about the Line A thing and the and the non-call on him, but if I didn't really, think the one on him no, should have been I don't called think at all. Either. I don't think either because line A is one of those things where yes, there's stick contact, but it's not the stick that forces him to fall. So you can easily look like that at full speed, but if you break it down, looking at it again, he just kind of fell awkwardly by himself. He was trying to make a tight turn and kind of just blew it. And then that dishes the puck up to the top, and then Johnny's holding onto the guy's stick and then yeah. falls. That's definitely a good non-call. And then Monge and Dubé come down. Fuck, that was a sexy dynamic goal. duo. That was sweet. Great, great shot selection by Dubé. He knew he had to one time it right along the ice, even though it was far out. That's a goal scorer's goal. That was sweet. Oh, and that thing had zip on it. Eh? And yeah, from some angles, it kind of looked like he whiffed on it. No, but there's the one angle where you're like, oh shit, no, that thing came off a stick in a hurry. 
But again, I think you're great. Good call on Daryl. He managed that overtime um, the best we've seen all season, and it ends up in a win. I don't. I don't know if we've seen Mangiapane and Dubé as together in, on three on three this season, have we? No, I don't think so. And their combo that I think Daryl Daryl definitely likes them. They kill penalties together. He's kind of talked about them as a grouping, as a pairing. Um, just in general, even though they don't play on the same line, but I, I think we'll probably see them next time in overtime for sure. I, hey, I like Lindholm and Bat. I like, I liked that because yeah. now that the Flames don't, because it used to be you throw Monahan, well, Lindholm and Gaudreau. Used to be you throw Gaudreau and whoever over the boards, and you control the play. What we've seen this year is the Flames top guys getting burned in overtime. So now what they've resorted to doing is putting out guys who are good defensive players and aware players who can hold on to the puck for the first few shifts and then work everyone else in. So I like that strategy. Lindholm and Backlund is a unit I like a lot. And then as you mentioned, intentionally, Huberto does not see a shift three on three. He's been so bad three on three this season. Turning pucks over, giving up breakaways. like (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty mildly. He's been brutal. He's been terrible. So... Well-managed uh, overtime gets you the win. All in all, probably going to go down as as one of the top games of the year just due to the return of Johnny Gaudreau, the storylines. Yeah. And then the game just didn't disappoint either. The game was insane. Like, Johnny gets a penalty shot. The Flames, the thing is, the Flames played really well. They shouldn't have let the Jackets back into it. They played really well. And you dominate and end up getting two points against the worst team in the league. Hey, they the Jackets played a good game, and Johnny was, sure. Johnny played a fan, fantastic game. That, that's one the, of those. Yeah. That's one of those cases where you've heard Elliot say this before. Johnny Gaudreau is the type of player that gets you into the playoffs. After the fact, who knows what happens? But he's you, if you have a hundred point goal scorer, your team's probably gonna make the playoffs. He's not gonna get hundred points. But that was the type of game where it's just like Johnny Gaudreau kept the Jackets in the yeah. game the entire game. Totally. So anyways, all in all, good game. You followed up against a fucking absolute stinker with Chicago on home ice. Five one loss, terrible. I don't know if you want to talk about this game. No, much. I don't. Like that was the. It is kind of funny. That was a bad game, but I feel like everyone's like, that might be the worst game I've seen in 20 years. It's like, how quickly quickly we forget some of these games that have been really bad. That was dog shit, though. Yeah, it was. Markstrom. Weird. What is it? I have no clue. I don't know. I do not know. They suck. They stink in front of Markstrom. Dan, what, Dan tied the record? Like Mike Vernon's record or something? For being, I think I think he broke it. Yeah, he's 10 and what is he, 10 and 3 in his last 13? Vladar holds, I think he holds the record now because they had it up there at the start of the game. He was tied with Vernon for the most points in consecutive games for the Flames. What so the hell? He, what is it? I don't care what it is. If it works, it works. I mean, you'd like to have, have your fucking, was it $6 million goal? You fucking win you a game. And if he's not, maybe you trade him. How close is fucking Dustin Wolf? Dustin Wolf is playing incredible. Dude, this would actually be, I don't know. Again, I'm not on the Some trade. Savvy I'm ass not on, shit. 
and I'm not on the trade Markstrom train. I just want to make that clear. But like, if you could expend of Markstrom six million dollars in the summer, and Lucic comes off the books, and Lucic well. comes off the books, that would actually be like a, a, a blessing in disguise. If Vladar is the real deal, which I'm pretty sure he is, dude. Let's see, Brad having the fucking balls or brains to pull that off. Yeah, I don't Do either, you? but. It's funny because, okay, so Vladar tied Mike Vernon's record, but he had matched Brian Elliott. <laughs> On that 10-game win streak. It was, it, Brian Elliott had said, yeah, I remember that, after Goldston gave the boys beers. Beers on the bus. Wait, turned was, the that the, around. was that the stick toss or the beers on the bus? No, beers on the bus is what turned it around. Because the stick toss, what was that, a seven-game I think streak? the stick toss was the next year when they didn't make the playoffs or something. But, you know, Glenn, good old Glenn. Good old Glenn, yeah, that's why the season turned around. Give the boys some beer on the bus. And then he wouldn't pull Elliot in the playoffs like an idiot. And that's why they lost. Dude, I was so done with him. Watching him, how he managed that playoff series. Fuck. So Brian Elliott loses you three straight games. You start him in game four, and he lets the first two shots in, and you don't pull him. And they're absolute garbage from the half boards. Not even shots on net, just throwing him to the net. Idiot. I mean, obviously, highlight of the Chicago game is Hubro's goal, like, you don't think that was downright nasty? That was in, that was sweet. Can he just can he just carry some confidence from like one game to the next? Where has that been? <laughs> it looked like Patrick Kane stick out in a phone booth, and he's like twice his size with twice twice as long a stick. That was, was really nasty. sweet. Like why? That's literally the he only. Have good... to, that's the only. That's the only out of my seat play he's made this year. Well, I do, I do like. I'm gonna get still give him props on that pass that could have been offside. That was yeah. That, that was, was that, that was, was nice. Finding that trailer was nice. That was good vision. Um. So it was it was kind of nice though. Even though this game got off the rails, Daryl started playing Pelche a lot more in this game. Yes. I think Did, up, and this is when he bumped him up with Hubie and yeah he was blending the lines like crazy in this game but I think um Pelche ended up playing like 15 minutes in this game and he, he I think he played a few shifts with Huberto and Caudry a few shifts with Backlund um but this was when he started to move Pelche up the lineup and so you play the following night I mean again Sutter the thing you can the only thing you can really expect from him is the unexpected. After the game, he doesn't shit on the play, on the team at all. He chalks it off as an excuse, and I don't know. He manages that manages that well. He's and, really good. And I don't know why everyone's always so surprised, right? It's like when the Flames play well, he knows to you know, like that's the time to be critical and well, yeah, not and yeah. jerk everybody off. And when they don't play well, that's the time to ease up. I mean, you always hear this from the veterans. It's like you don't want to get two up or two down. When the team lays an absolute stinker, probably the worst game of the season against Chicago, dead last team on home ice, he has nothing negative to say. Don't get too low. Chalk it up. Next, we got to forget it fast. We'll play tomorrow night. When the team has an unbelievable game and somebody individual goes off, Daryl totally downplays it. Maybe that's a strategy at the end of the day. It's just keep it completely even keel. That's why well, he's always yeah, nullifying. He's always nullifying every fucking, you know, jerk off. Whenever, exactly. whenever the media, it's funny whenever the media he, wants to jerk someone off, he's like, no, 
slap the hand away. Exactly. Don't touch. <laughs> no fab. When <laughs> when they want to like right because they always pull this thing when they want him to criticize somebody right like oh Markstrom sucked. Markstrom said he sucks at hockey. Like Daryl will be, Daryl won't participate in that either or. He's not going to participate in it. So when the media wants to rip somebody, he's not going to rip them. When he, they want to jerk somebody off, he's not going to participate in that. And it's all about playing the same way no matter what. And I think that just falls into his philosophy of, you know, like that. that's why he rolls four lines. That's why he does things kind of the same every game. It's like, it's a long season. You have to learn to play the right way in order to win. You can't just be like, it can't be like Ward where everything is great or everything sucks or this or that. It's just like, hey, one game at a time here. And he's always got, he always has the long-term play in mind. So, well, one of the, one of the things I wanted to mention in terms of, if you're kind of call this the first half, cause you're the all-star break or whatever, I mean, it's a little bit more than half, but Daryl back to your point here. I think one of his main things he drives, tries to drive home with the team is consistency, both from an individual player standpoint on a nightly basis and as a team performance on a nightly basis and playing full 60 minutes. It's like and the belief system versus the relief system. Exactly. And I wanted to say that we've seen the two most complete games that this team has put forth this entire season. Cause I mean, you got to chalk that first five and two streak win off to start the season is kind of like, the, the first three weeks of the season is complete right off. So in the last span of, you know, four or five games, the Tampa game yeah, and the Seattle game, those are the two best teams. This, this team is two best games. This team has played all season. And I think the reason why is because those are the two most complete games for a full 60 minutes. I mean, the Tampa game and the penalty killing on the Tampa game was incredible. No, it was fantastic. But people are saying that was the best game of the season. Then after Seattle, that was the best game of the season. Coming off of like, I don't, but the thing is, is like, you just lost fucking Chicago. Yeah, that's ice. what it's just like. How did that one happen? You lose to Chicago on home ice, and then you put together the most complete game of the season the next night. So there's. There's some some really good things to look at with this team on the same side of things on the same on the exact same flip the coin over. It's like how do you lose to Chicago on home ice in the fashion that you did? It'd be one thing if it was like a hard fought game, right? Everybody was prepared, ready to go, stuck to the game plan. You actually played a full sixty. Probably should have won, but didn't. We yeah. can take it. We can take. We can take that loss. But we're still seeing. Even though we're seeing these complete games, which are great, they're good signs moving forward. We're still seeing some big, you know, red flags and question marks at the same time. I still don't know if this team has what it takes because you see flashes of it, and then you see you see flashes of brilliance, and you see flashes of dog shit. Well, it's kind of been the same thing all season. They play like three or four games, like I think they did leading up to the Columbus game, where it's like. That's a really good set of games. Okay, maybe you didn't win through like they haven't won four in a row yet this year, right? Like their longest win streak is three games in a row. But they put together a nice solid stretch of games like, hey, they're finally this is finally shaping up. 
here we go. We're going on a bit of a run here that we need to go on. We're going on a nice 10 or 12 game stretch. And then they shit the bed. Oh, we got this some shit ha- team. And then you got some yeah. shit teams and you can't beat them. You got a rookie goalie nobody's ever heard of against a team that is terrible out of the playoffs that has a bunch of guys who've never played in the NHL before and they beat you. Like this has happened. Yeah. This happened like three or four times this year, right? Where it's like, hey, they're playing great. Everything's looking up. We just got to get a bit on a run here. They play a shitty team, play really badly, and it kind of disturbs the entire cohesive run that they've been on. That's happened a lot this year. That's been the most consistent thing. And it's so it's actually so consistent that you expect it. I mean, you've created this meme. It's been <laughs> Dude, I totally call I totally called the, the Chicago game for sure. Oh, the meme check check off all four categories. Walk us through them again. It's Vince well, McMahon. <laughs> Vince McMahon. This is how the Calgary Flames lose hockey games. Yeah, go ahead. Well, it's a team that's out of the playoffs, right? Oh, Vince McMahon, he's getting excited here. Look at the look at the face. Oh, he's up. It's a rookie goalie that nobody, or not even a rookie goalie, a, a backup or a third string goalie that usually, like in most cases, nobody has ever heard of. Oh, like, Vince is he's dude, almost he's almost reaching climax, folks. Look can you face. remember the name of the goalie who played in Chicago who beat us? Dude, it was a second NHL ever game. I don't and remember his name. The saddest thing about it is they announced that you're like, okay, we're fucked. <laughs> oh. So uh, Taves is out of the lineup. We're we're so screwed. Injury to key player, right? Taves. That's Ooh. another one. Yeah. Now now hey, Vince Kane was o- out in the previous Vince, football game. They lost. Vince has his O face. And then a player who's looking for their first NHL goal. Laser eyes. That's and like Luke Philp almost got his first NHL goal. Got his first NHL point. Close enough for me. Yeah. Just like the try the the, the, the is, four horsemen. That's. I expect it. It's it's the most predictable thing. Well, and this team. Trying to figure out why is annoying because like this is a veteran team. That's kind of that's, that's why what, it's fucking annoying. That's what Lucci exactly leading this fucking veteran group that can't fucking prepare themselves for the worst teams in the league. Because this was the most refreshing thing about how they played last year was these trap games that we had been so accustomed to over the years. 100%. They completely got rid of that from their game. Like maybe Dude. they lost a few games to some teams they shouldn't have last year, but like you said, they still pl- outplayed them and probably should have won. It was just a case of bad luck. This well, year it's deep. back yeah. to like, oh, trap game. We know we're going to lose this game because yeah. we should win it. Yeah. And that was to the extent last season where it was talking points for the media, for this podcast. We're just like, Wow. The, the most impressive part about that 7-2 win over fucking the Devils last season or whoever it was that kind of stunk last season was that they would have lost that last year. Now we're back to losing those games. Yeah. So I don't know what to attribute that to because, like, veteran team, right? That, like, I think that's what we expected more, not to be an issue this year. Okay, you're bringing Kadri in, right? Coleman another year here situated. You've got to, this is one of the older teams in the league. This shouldn't be happening. Well, if, if you ask the, the coach and the players what you attribute it to, they say it's preparation. Well, then fucking prepare better. You're a bunch of veterans. You, How many seasons are we going to add up with this veteran group? How are you not prepared to play Chicago <laughs> on a, whatever night it is? Twice in a, the, the month. Backup span. goalie. The backup goalie. This is a third string goalie. I don't remember his name. 
second game ever in the NHL. You're not prepared for that. You're not prepared with they're missing key guys. They got an AHL roster and they're fucking dead last. How are you not prepared to beat them? And I think this is my biggest issue with this with this team. And I, this is why it's like I can't. I don't believe. Sure, you have fucking, you know, the hopium fan belief always that you. That's the that's the stupid belief that Daryl talks about. But it's just like, dude, I don't. fuck man i don't the thing i don't believe is that okay like i because they play well five on five and they play structured sound hockey and they're a top five team in virtually every single category at five on five you believe that okay this is a team that can play well enough to make the playoffs but the fact they lose games like this doesn't give you any hope that they can win big games because they can't even win not big games well, that's like, the difference. That's the difference between us and the Oilers. The Oilers have yeah. no problem beating bad teams. Well, I guess they do too. They destroyed Colorado. They lost to Columbus, but they destroyed Chicago. Um, yeah, yeah. But like, if you have those four points you squandered, well, three points you squandered to the Blackhawks, you're in a playoff spot right now. It just doesn't inspire confidence for big games because, kind of the way I've always looked at it is, there's the season in 2006, and the Flames were a really good team all year. But then they played the Ducks in the first round, and it was like a three versus six. The Flames are the third seed, Ducks are the sixth seed. Close series comes down to game seven, and in game seven, the Flames laid the biggest egg I've ever seen in my entire life, right? And yeah. that's all you can ever think of when you're watching these games about Chico- against Chicago is like, I can't believe this team. Like, you can't trust that they're going to be able to come through if they need to, and yeah. that doesn't inspire much confidence. Well, remember in 18-19 and even last season, you're going into games against yeah. Boston and Colorado. And like I'm, I feel pretty good actually. I believe we can beat these guys tonight. And then you go and beat them, and you actually soundly do it, dude. Dead last. It's Chicago. They're dead last. Key players out. Third string goalie. Because like even even one against, goal. Yeah, even in the playoff series against Dallas last year, it was like even though it was so tight and so close, it was like you knew all season this team when they needed to in games they needed to win, they'd win them. Yep, that was a hallmark of the team last year. It was like sure they dropped a few games, but like games on the schedule was like okay, you need to have that one every single time without fail last year until the other series they would win those games. This year, not so much. Yeah, eighteen, nineteen is the comeback kids. You're down three. You're like feeling pretty good. Yeah, I remember now it's like this, now you're down it. two, and you're like game over. No yeah, chance. You're like who's uh, we're never going to score again. Yeah, it feels like I remember in eighteen, nineteen. So it was like mid season. They already had that big Colorado comeback. I think they had that big Philly comeback already. Yeah, that was awesome. And Chicago was in town. It was hockey night in Canada, and we were down like three or four one or something like that. Going into the third, and I'm like they're probably going to win this game. <laughs> Sure enough, came back and went, won it. It's like that Vince McMahon thing. I can't remember. Somebody commented on Twitter and they're like, you called it. And like, how'd you guys know? You guys are fucking, I'm like, dude, we're like, it's like Google. Track your, mo- track everything. Track you your do. data. They can predict what you're about to do based on what you've done a hundred times. It's just an algorithm. Yep, yeah, exactly. Losing to these teams now is just an algorithm. We start to expect it. 
that's my problem. That's why I, I, until, like you said, until you correct that, how do you truly believe this, these, this team can get you through a playoff round? Because they come back with a great game against Seattle for sure. So you, but again, like you have, like you said, those two games, Tampa and Seattle, probably the two best games they've played all season, but it's just kind of like, you can't overlook the fact that they completely shit the bed against the Blackhawks for the second time in the, of the year. Yeah. It's not even like you did it once and then you learned your lesson and you got, got them back on home ice. You did it again. So until that pattern is corrected and until they honestly get on a good streak here, like maybe this all-star break is finally what they need to just like reset and get relaxed and rest up or something. But it's like, they have not had a, four game winning streak this year. Not that that's the be all end all, but I can't imagine you end up making the, you're not going to make the playoffs. If you don't go on a run here, that's longer than four games. Yeah. How does that whole Mexico, Mexico thing. Does not ever, does everybody get invited? Yeah. I'm not sure how the logistics that work. Cause I know there's a bit of a wag club there. Maybe the, the wives organized it. It's an odd grouping of guys. Lindholm, Dubé, Manji, Lucci. Tif- Apparently Lucic is there too. Tifoli, yeah, Lucic is there. Tifoli. Tifoli. Yeah. And then I think Vladar and Rzichka are somewhere else. Well, Markstrom's, <laughs> Markstrom's in Calgary going to Ranchmans. Ranchmans. What are you doing? Dude. Fuck, that's, that's fucking funny, dude. It was funny because... Wearing a cowboy hat. Wearing yeah. a cowboy hat. Singing just, Ring of Fire and the whole just, crowd is dead. Living it up. There's five people there. One of them is Markstrom. <laughs> cowboy boots and cowboy hat. There's literally no worse place on earth than a freaking shitty ass bar in Calgary in January or February or whenever it was. But somebody sent me like a meme. It was like, choose your fighter. And it's Kipper's is is that famous picture of Kipper with Dion. And he's just smoking a dart and like smoking must darts. be cowboys or something. And then Markstrom and Ranch was like, choose your fighter. And it's like. I'll take Kipper all day. Dude would freaking smoke a smoke two packs in intermission, come out and pitch a 45 save shutout. No shit, eh? No problem. Fucking no problem. And then give us the, the greatest interview of all time after. <laughs> well, eh? To be expected. Kipper. That was an algorithm. <laughs> Kipper plays on his head and gives us a killer fucking interview by no saying, fucking, no by saying three words. No English. The best three-worded response I've ever heard in my life. The entire interview. <laughs> and then I think Huberto's in the Bahamas, maybe with Brad, undisclosed. If Brad's there, keeping an eye on him. I think we here went to Brad's California. probably giving him foot rubs, eh? Let's hope, it, let's hope <laughs> it's ending at that, though. Let's hope it's ending at foot rubs, people. <laughs> Seattle game um, was actually... Dude, a great game. What a fun game to watch. I think uh, you go down early, then Lindholm ties it up. That, that, was, top Lindholm, line, that was Lindholm's best game this year. Dude, that top line has three goals in the first period. This is money. little nice give-and-go, kind of a two-on-one, two-on-two-ish play from Lindholm to Toffoli back to, back to Lindholm, that tips was, it in. Yeah. And then that uh, – that, Set the second well, the goal by Toffoli put you up two one. The goal by Zadorov was great shift, great he, shift, and and, he, and Toffoli, yeah. I Toffoli is like my type of goal scorer. Yeah, 
right? You get guys draped all over you. It's a battle in the front. You got muscle them and you still put the puck in the back of the net. I love that shit. Zadorov, what a feed from Lindholm, eh? Dude, why don't they put Zadorov as forward? Like, he's got better offensive instincts than most guys on this team. Or put him on the power play for fuck's sake. Put anyone on the power play. Great goal by Zadorov. So there's two goals in this game I want to make note of that the Flames have not been doing enough this year. Hannafin's goal and Zadorov's goal. And I guess Lindholm's goal. But, like, quick shots. Like, just shooting fast. As soon as it's on your stick, there's been too much, like... Uh, I think Nas does this a bit too much. It's like he gets the puck in a spot where it's like if you let that go in a split second, it's in the net, but he holds on to it too long. Like they need to be doing more of that one touch, multi touch plays where it's just like off the stick, on the stick, off the stick, into the net shit. That goal is with 4.5 seconds left in the first. That's a huge. That's huge. I mean, we've been getting a lot of goals scored on us late in periods. So it was nice to reverse the script. And again, it's Z man. Like he's taken over Chucky's role of like big goals. Yep. Hannafin, that goal is delicious too, eh? That was sweet. Coleman to Backlund, Backlund to Hannafin. Coleman with the empty hitter. Coleman's been on a heater. The last 10 games, he's been awesome. That line's been great, dude. They've been so good. I wanted to look at goal totals. Padre leads the, the team 19 goals. Defoli, 18 goals. Lindholm, 15. So they're all going to hit 20, no problem. Do you think any of those three hits 30? Um, I could see... Uh, Toffoli? I could see Toffoli getting there. I like. I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see Lindholm I mean, they're on, pace. on a heater. Like, could he bank... Could Lindholm bang off 15 in the last 32 games? Probably. The top line is starting to come together. Dylan Dubé is playing the most consistent hockey we've seen in his career. Um, Dubay's got 12. Yeah, Dubay could easily get to 20. Here's what I wanted to bring up. I feel like Nas will definitely get to 30, and Lindholm probably. I, I, but my man, Toffoli's been good too. I, I bet we have one 30 goal score for sure. Here's what I wanted to bring up Huberto has 10 goals. <laughs> and the reason why I want to bring it up because you're laughing, and you should be. Guess who also has 10 goals? Manjupani. Yeah. That we're not laughing at that. We're that's sad. One we're laughing at, one's sad. Manjupani needs to have a killer second half. And, well, he, and I, yeah. I, I would say so much so that our probably our playoff hopes ride on this kind of second half Manjupani contributes offensively. If he has a similar second half in terms of point production. Maybe we don't have enough wins. We don't have enough goals to get us enough wins. At this point, I don't. I don't even. I can't even look at John. I can't even say I can. We have to have more of Jonathan Huberto. I don't. I know Montepani can give us more. That's why I'm going to say. I don't know if Jonathan Huberto has more. I, I. I don't know. This is really the only time I've, I've watched him in my career, and he's pretty average. Yeah, that's saying it mildly. The thing with Montepani is like. He's been getting chances for sure. Like, yes, tons of chances. And I, it kind of looked like he, he's what does he have four goals in his last five games or something, or maybe even six in his last seven or something like that. He's getting points now, too. He's been coming on big time, but he needs to come on like he needs to just, yeah, he needs to do what he did at the beginning of last season, the first half of last season. Like, maybe, maybe you want to try 
you being Manjipani again. I love the I love the Backlund Coleman Manjipani line, but you I need Manjipani to be like his own, like right, based on how much he's making and how and how little you're getting point wise from everybody else. Like he needs to be. I don't know if it's elevated in the lineup is the right word, but it's like kind of like Backlund and Coleman are going to do their thing regardless. It's kind of like you can throw those two guys out; they're going to dominate five on five. It's like you add Manjipani on there; it's just like absolute domination. So I don't know. Maybe you do want to put Manjapani on a more like this is our line to score goals. Manjapani and Huberto with their ten goals have just two more goals than Trevor Lewis for the season. And Zadorov. Yeah, like I mean, that's perspective, man. <laughs> that, that to me, right, dude? There, Connor has ninety-two points. <laughs> oh man. He who must not shave, you mean? McNeckbeard has 92 points. Instead of he who must not be named, it's he who must he not shave. Must not shave ever. But that to me, that's the season right there in a nutshell, right there. Huberto Majipani have 10 goals. Zadorov and Lewis have eight. Dude, Richie has Richie have, has six for crying out loud. Dude, Richie's missed half the season. He's got six. Those two guys should have close to 20 right now. Well, and that's what's weird is like, it's not weird. It's like this team is the same as last year playing good five on five hockey for all the consternation and all the breakdowns of blah, blah, blah. Everything is the same, except you don't have Manjapani scoring and you're missing a Kachuk or a Gaudreau, a dominant player. That's all you're missing. And it was supposed to be Huberto and he's just shit the bed. So. That Seattle game, um, great way to go into the break. <sighs> we'll see what happens. We're going the All-Star weekend here. I know you fucking hate it. I think, <laughs> we've talked about this, they should do a poker tournament, dude. Dude, I totally agree. I think... Don't even go on the ice. Just, you want to build fucking yeah. player personality, whatever it is with the fans, the connection to the players... Put them in a fucking Texas Hold'em tournament. Because hockey is, I think even in all sports, like the all-star thing is like, you don't, I don't even really know if you want to watch, like does anybody in the NBA, I guess the dunk contest is cool. Like the game itself sucks ass. Baseball is a little different because it actually means something in the game. Well, you get the home run derby is pretty cool. Yeah, but like there's like one event for each thing that's cool. So like the skills competition maybe, but like nobody wants to watch them play hockey in a game. In they my did opinion. some pretty cool things in St. Louis with the shooting into the net from up and down. The other thing winters. about hockey is that a lot of the things that they try to do are just really hard. Like, really hard. Like, to come up with a cool breakaway move, like, some of that hockey is such a hard sport to do shit like that with. So I totally agree. Have them do something that's not hockey. Poker would be great. Dude, how fun would it be to watch a family feud? For each division. It's Connor and it'd be so great. And that's the thing. Like everybody says, oh, hockey players are boring. And it's like, yeah, I mean, probably, but they're never really given an opportunity in a, in an environment to actually present themselves in an entertaining way. Do a family feud face off of all four divisions. And go ahead, play the game too, or skip one of them. The front, the Thursday night or whatever it is. I said, I think they did with the drafting their team. That was okay. Poor Phil. 
and then they got rid of it. The only thing that was entertaining and cool. Here's what do they a, need to do. Do they a need, family feud. Yeah. They need family. to either because that's the thing. They want they got rid of the guys are all blasted in drafting and they're like, oh, they don't want to they don't want that image. It's like they either need to really cater to young kids, like make it a kids event, right? Like really lean into stuff that's just kind of goofy and for kids. Or do the opposite. Or do both and have them Dude. on different days and broadcast them for different things. Dude, a family feud thing is 20 minutes long. Tell me, tell me you can't bang off for those and it'd be fucking hilarious. And the guys would love to freaking play, like, do a poker tournament. Dude, that'd be sweet. You see all the flames at the Flames charity poker tournament? They're having a great time. They love wearing them cowboy hats. They love just drinking and dicking around and doing shit like that. All right. Uh, do you think we're going to see Peltier coming back from the break here? Yes, I do, because he's been really good. Because they sent him down... Uh, obviously to play during the break yeah. and I think for, for cap management purposes, right? Yeah, and to keep him, like they accrue cap space him being down there and just to keep him playing and busy and in shape and stuff. Yeah, so he doesn't go to Mexico and get shit-faced. He's going to Mexico and gain 20 pounds. I swear <laughs> I think, to God, I swear to God, I think, Dube, those guys better come out flying or I, I will think have Dube's no already, problem. I think Dubé's already gained probably 10 <laughs> by the looks of the photos. I mean, you're looking at the standings. It's tight, dude. It's I don't it, think it's Seattle... weird because nights after night, it's like if they win a game, they're like, "Yeah, we're in a good spot." Then they lose a game, I'm like, "Man, we are screwed." It's really tight. We are a five game win streak away from being potentially second in the division. Like you're, you have three games in hand. That's six points potentially on LA. And you're, you're six, six point, points back. You're six points back. They're in second place. They're tied for first in the in the division. Vegas is dropping off. Yeah, I don't know if having it's a goal. hard time. I haven't been following it closely enough. I don't know if it's goal to anything. Well, Eichel's been not very good. Stone's hurt. Stone's hurt again. He's got back surgery. Yeah. Fuck. I could be out for a while. The Oilers are on pace to catch everybody. They're rolling. I think if you set your sights on LA, because LA is the most consistent team in the division. If you can set your sights on catching them, you're probably going to finish top three in the division. Yeah, you just need to go on a roll. You look at what Edmonton and Colorado have done to get themselves into it. The Oilers are 7-1-2 in the last 10. Colorado 7-3. The Flames are 5-3-2. Like, they're perpetually like 5-3-2 in, in every 10-game 10, 10 segment, it seems. Or like 3-2-2 two, two, or something like that. They just need to go on a game where, and again, they've been good at getting points, but they need to go on a run where they're getting like, you have to win seven of 10, like win them full on. Right. Yeah. But that's really all you need to do is go on one good run here. The uh, trade rumors. Let's touch on those. Cause I, I just mean, did what... want to say one more thing on Pelche was, um, yeah. you know, like, I think Daryl's gone out of his way to like clear the air on all the bullshit. It's been pretty funny. Um, there was an interview in the athletic with Brad tree living where he did say that him and Daryl talked about it because, um, Brad said he didn't like how it all came off in the media and all the circus that surrounded it. Um, but Daryl has gone out of his way to be like, like, here's the thing. The media love, and it's funny. There's been no, I posted it and a few other people posted it too. 
he had like a 13 or 14 minute press just media availability the other day. This was last week, I think. Might have been before the Chicago game or before the Seattle game. It was great. That's the thing about Daryl's like off day pressers and stuff is they're awesome. If you just listen to him, like you, you will learn so much. Yeah, because they're usually like eight minutes or 13 minutes long. Yeah, and he'll go into great details. And he made some really good comments about Pelche talking about how he's definitely going to be a player who can play at this level. He's got great IQ, great pace. Um, But I didn't see anybody post any of those things. I didn't see any articles written about how complimentary Daryl was of Pelche. And I thought he made a really good point too, which... Um, I think it's true of a lot of guys. Daryl was saying like, you know, sometimes for guys like that who are smart and fast, playing in the NHL is actually easier for them. Yeah. Because it's more structured and more predictable. And if you're smart enough and if you have the ability, you actually will be able to play better at the NHL level. And I think, I think if you look, I'm not, I don't want to shit on Matt Phillips or say like he's never going to be an NHL player, but I think if you kind of compare and contrast maybe a Pelche and a Phillips, like I can't, I can, you can kind of see that playing out, right? Like Pelche looks like an NHLer, no doubt. Oh, dude, it's exciting to see because you can see the upside. You can see the upside in his game. And you're like, if he can, the thing is going to be consistency. I mean, Daryl is always bringing this up for these young guys. That's the biggest challenge. That's the biggest jump you have to make. Be an everyday NHLer. Exactly. But so far, in his three games, four He's games, played four, yeah. In his four games, we've seen it. We've seen the consistency there. Now he's going to get even more opportunity. If he comes back from the from the break, I mean, could you imagine the potential in a different second half we might have if Pelche cements himself on a line with Huberto and Kadri? I mean that that could work wonders. Is it, oh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know if, if he's necessarily ready for a top six role. And we'll go through some of the trade rumors, but obviously if you're Brad, if you're Daryl, you want you want a legit guy that's ready to play in that top six role, then maybe Pelche rounds out your bottom six or he's in and out of the lineup to, to, end, to finish the second half. But obviously he's looked better than Lucic. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's not really a knock on Lucic so much because he's been playing some pretty decent hockey in his last 20 games, and now he's fighting. But we know that Lucic, for the dollar value, brings you the most value on this roster in a fourth-line role. He can do everything value-wise that he can bring to your team in a fourth-line role. You don't want him playing in the top six. We know that already. So if you're looking at solutions moving forward, maybe Pelche is a temporary one until you bring someone in before the deadline, and then maybe he sticks around. But there's definitely upside there. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, he he looks like whereas Matt Phillips is like he's playing in the NHL. I was like, yeah, I can see some potential. Like he could be an NHLer one day, maybe. But Pelche, it's like that guy should be in the NHL. Yeah. And just to like put it in perspective, through four game, and I think like what I've noticed is. This team has been lacking a guy who can get the puck to the net. I think that's maybe that's something Matthew Chuck did very well. Johnny Joe gets to the middle of the ice, but Chuck takes it to the net. Pelche is, seems to be good at getting the puck to the net. Through four games at five on five, he has nine shot attempts, eight scoring chances, five high danger scoring chances. That's pretty damn good given he hasn't been playing a ton. 
but he's been making shit happen. He's an NHLer. I would love to see him like get a a longer look with Huberto and Kadri. Totally. Just even a longer look on the team. Yeah. In a, in a role that he's got some potential to show showcase what he can do. Totally. Okay, let's get to this quickly. Um, trade rumors. Obviously, JVR is the hottest one right now. Um, Sarah Valley, I don't know, man. Like Sarah Valley seems to spout off a lot of bullshit, but he's uh he's linked with a bunch of players to the flames. Um Paris he, like, he likes getting clicks for sure. Like yes. his information is right sometimes, but a lot of it's driven by just like, hey, my article's out today. Click it, please. Yeah, I can't remember the other players he had on there. He said the yeah. Flames were talking about Tarasenko and Barbashev. So I think just quickly on the Tarasenko thing, Elliot Friedman said on 32 Thoughts a couple weeks ago, or maybe even a week ago, that the Flames had been like maybe offered Tarasenko in, the, in a Kachuk trade in the summer. And according to his intel, the Flames didn't want him and he has a no trade clause and he didn't want to come to Calgary. So I don't know if there's much legs to that rumor. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other players on the list that uh J- JVR is like kind of an interesting one. The thing about Brad is like he is not he's never has he ever rented a high he's not into rentals. Like he'll get some shitty defensemen as a rental, but like a high cost acquisition rental guy has never been something he's wanted or has had interest in. Um, he's usually wants guys with terms. So I don't know how, if the JVR thing would work. Um, I don't know if he'd be a fit. He seems to be scoring in Philly on a pretty terrible team. So he'd probably be a guy Daryl likes. He's big and can get pucks to the net and kind of plays that maybe Chuck net front type game a little bit. I don't know. He seems like he makes $7 million. So there'd have to be some serious retention. Well, you seen uh, a parent. I'm not saying the Flames are linked to Besser, but it sounds like Besser is going to be the next piece to move. Um, who do you think won the Hor- Horvat trade? It's a weird one because when I first saw it, I was like, "Wow, Vancouver did really well." But then if you look at it, it's like like Ratu or Ratty, however you say his name. I think it's Ratu. He's a good prospect. But like it feels like it feels like both sides it was kind of like eh, I don't know. It feels like the Islanders in their situation maybe gave up too much for a guy like Horvat, but it feels like also Vancouver could have got way more from somebody else. So I feel like at the end of the day, the Islanders probably did okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's, it was a weird trade. I didn't expect Horvat to be traded for that little, but for a team like the Islanders who were like maybe they don't even make the playoffs to be like dangling a first round pick in this year's draft, even though it is protected. Like that seems a bit risky. Um, I guess the other name was Domi. I, I would, Domi. yeah, I, I would really love, like Domi. Domi would be fucking sweet on a side team. dude. I think he'd be a good player with Huberto just because the way he carries the puck and distributes the puck. And like you said, he has the temperament to be a guy who Daryl would like, I know he's probably not, he's defensively like yikes. And he has, his five on five play has not been great in his career, but I think that's a guy Daryl could maybe kind of like milk a bit more out of than anybody exactly. else. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And he's the way he plays that scrappiness. It's kind of what we need right now. And, totally. And someone that can, like you said, bang and create traffic in front of the net and put some pucks away in front of the net. And I do agree. I think Daryl would bring in more out of the guy like that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, enjoy the all-star break. And um, hopefully we get string of some wins together when we come back. And hopefully Pelche can be that placeholder until 
Brad adds, ideally, a top six scoring winger. And again, we probably need a little bit more bolstering in the back end. Cushion. Cushion is a pillow with feathers. Right? You know, for everyone that thought I was a liability in the playoffs, you can kiss my ass.